what? I was about to play something on the kazoo to lead us into this era of post-Renaissance Disney, but, um, I mean, the spirit of this season is really no gosh darn musicals no longer. So, uh, in lieu of that, I guess, hi, this is the podcast intro. Wasn't that better than putting a song in? Hello and welcome to the Disney Animated Cannonball Season 5. Oh, it's 5. Right, the post-Renaissance era of Disney, where Disney decided that uh, churning out classic fairy tale musicals one after the other like it was going out of style was going out of style. It turns out that after making the most successful animated movie four years in a row, just kinda lost its luster, and instead, Disney steps into the awkward pubescence of insisting that it doesn't want to have to have anything to do with girls. Or to look at it another way, they made Hercules and then realised that the writing might be on the wall. It is a grim warning of a past we bring to you, (laughs) and a future of the podcast that we now stand and wave our sticks about. Because, like, I love this season, okay? But that's because... (laughs) Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. That's because if you take my favorite Disney movie, period, and then wrap any number of crap movies around it, you have to hit a pretty high threshold of crap before I will consider the season as a whole to be bad. (laughs) So, yeah, really what you're saying is that Lilo and Stitch is good enough that you are willing to forgive... Not just a Meet the Robinsons, but even a Chicken Little. I I forgive a Brother Bear. (laughs) I forgive a Dinosaur. I forgive a Fantasia 2000, Fox. I feel like I really picked the worst two out of that list. I don't think you're one-upping me by saying Brother Bear. And I'm adding onto the heap. The point is, Lilo and Stitch is doing the hard carry this season. (laughs) It is, it is. This is a deeply, deeply cynical time in Disney's history. And the... Sincere moments shine through beautiful and sparkling, but uh, were not always appreciated. Like, I think Treasure Planet was a pretty sincere attempt to do a beautiful Disney thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and it met with such disdain. Such disdain. It is going to be an interesting season for the listener, who, of course, are you know, <clears throat> looking at the, the recordings ahead of them. But from where I stand, looking back at this season of movies, which covers... From January 1st, 2000 to November 21, 2008, a period of Disney where largely you have one standout movie that seems to give a shit about girls, and that's Lilo mm-hmm. and Stitch, uh-huh. which is flawless, and if you have a problem with it, <laughs> you're probably not white and know more about the subject than I do. But the rest of the time, there's a lot of very awkwardly trying to reclaim an adolescent maleness. And even the movies here that I love, I love Treasure Planet. I I really do still now, even with all of its terrible storytelling and deep incompetence, love something about the way Atlantis wanted to be. I, I have a fondness in me for these ideas. Yeah, uh, look, the you could almost divide this into two sort of mini-seasons, because you, you have the series of these which are, are good ideas, but uh, maybe just, you know, fumbled the execution, or 
asked Phil Collins to participate. And then you have things that just feel like really cheap, shallow, pathetic, chasing Pixar and scared of Shrek kind of developments that ultimately led Disney to, in this season, ditch on traditional animation and decide that they were going to do 3D movies for the big yearly releases from now on. We talked in an earlier season about the importance <laughs> of the rise of personality in the development part of the studio with the loss of Walt Disney, where we were gleeful <laughs> about pointing out all the things that we could directly attribute to Milt Carl. <laughs> and then the rise of the xerography technology. In this season, we have 3D animation coming into its own and the intrusion into the Disney landscape of DreamWorks, a monster of its own creation, much like the land before time before it, mm. and also the final removal <clears throat> of Mike Eisner from the leadership role at Disney. So if you want to view it in terms of like what changed the landscape of this movie studio... This is a series of earthquakes. <laughs> I mean, what didn't change the like? This is there are so many names of writers and directors, and it, like it used to be that watching a season, we would mostly see the same names year after year. But shit is going wild in this era. They're just they're scrambling for something that works better than the last thing, and and trying to reattain some sense of stability. Because these aren't all massive duds. Some of them were unexpected hits. Uh, some of them were massive investments that went down in flames. Uh, and I feel like the main thing isn't that they couldn't score. It was just that they were scared that things weren't reliable anymore. And the Renaissance was so solid, even when they started going downhill, they were still shiny Disney. For previous seasons, what we did was, hey, what was your favorite movie to watch? And what was your favorite podcast to record? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Um, and I just want to say ahead of time, previous iterations on this podcast, because they often involve dredging up old stories of our past or of our lives before we were together, often involve a more interesting and diverse range of life experience and some degree of almost script doctoring or coaching through very specific elements of movie that they've seen with differently. As we've grown together, that means that that kind of experience is less so in these movies and these podcasts. What you get instead is a lot more extremely energetic, angry complaining. <laughs> I mean, this era mostly deserved that. Yeah. Even the stuff that was good often has stuff critically wrong with it that is worth being angry about because it could have been fucking great. Yeah. If not for that. And with the exception of Lilo and Stitch, once again. <laughs> it didn't make me angry. As far as the movies in this go obviously i've marked out hard enough for lilo and stitch and that wasn't my favorite of the podcasts to record per se oh but the problem is that a lot of the podcast episodes that are going to come up i have a bit more of a different memory having <laughs> done some editing and whatnot well that's okay you're talking about your experience with them which one did you enjoy the most well the dinosaur one is extremely boring uh -huh. Period. Because the movie is boring. It really is. But there was still a moment where I talked about the technology involved where you <laughs> lost your shit. <laughs> and we mentioned an actual real world villain. And you're like, wait, what the fuck are they doing in this conversation? When did they get here? 
It's true. It's true. Uh, the production values on The Emperor's New Groove. The way that some of these movies were hacked together out of pieces. Yeah. Uh, and the catastrophic failures of two of these movies being both very good and very bad in different ways. Like, there's a lot of moments at the podcast that I, I think of differently than just, oh man, I love talking about Leo and Stitch with you for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, okay, to, 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 to let you in, um, my favorite, uh, Disney from this era is probably, uh, Treasure Planet, though it is incredibly close between that and Lilo and Stitch, I gotta say. I think that's unfair outside influence, though. Well, here's the thing, they both have talent in them. (laughs) And in one of them, he's a cute Joseph Gordon-Levitt boy with a rat tail, and one of them, he's Stitch. And I love both of those parts of the love of my life. Um, but Lilo and Stitch is definitely my favorite episode because, again, I I just realized more about you talking about this movie that was so important to you. Uh, and I gained an even deeper appreciation for it. Um, so that, that was the best time I had. I'm not crying, you're crying. We also uh, are circling around the fact that Home on the Range is in this season. Oh yeah, well, uh, the next one we have to do is what's the worst. Yeah. Uh, do, do you want to go first? I don't think we care about worst episode, but what was the worst movie of this era, Talon? It is a three-way tie. Ooh. Mm. All right. Uh, which is the lucky one that didn't get included in the tie? <laughs> <laughs> so, the three worst movies, in my opinion, of the season, we had to watch three nights in a row. I don't know if you realize this. It's been a week. It has been a yep. fucking week. Yeah, well, I mean, suddenly we have this desire to get through them as quickly as possible. I don't know where it came from, but it may have been a natural symptom of watching Home on the Range. Home on the Range, Chicken Little, and Meet the Robinsons are probably the three worst movies we've had to watch for this podcast. And I bring and, and I bring that to bear knowing full well that there is stuff like Melody Times and Ichabod and Mr. Crane because yeah, they were dire. those things were also brief. Those things are 45 minutes to an hour. I didn't like Fox and the Hound, but that movie was 59 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> it was not the 95 minutes of Meet the Robinsons. Is that thing 90 minutes long? <sighs> yeah. It is amazing that Disney... We say empires can take a hit. <laughs> this thing took three hits in a row. I mean, they staggered. Yeah. I. It was really nice to end on Bolt, frankly, because just, you know, seeing a ray of light pierce through the clouds at that point was like, oh, thank God. I was so tired of watching really bad movies. And Dinosaur is at least technically interesting. See, that, that was going to be the big choice for me, because Dinosaur is definitely the most boring movie we've watched on this podcast. Absolutely. It is it is dull in a way that is hard to convey. Like, it's more boring than Snow White, because at least, at least Snow White has all this, like, vintage artifacting stuff that you're sort of wondering about. Yeah. And, and you know, this sort of, I've seen bits of this all over the place, how much of what I've seen has, like, belonged together. And also, in... So White, there were individual artists showing off their individual handiwork. Whereas the work in Dinosaur, the most impressive thing in Dinosaur that you will ever see 
is something you will not notice unless I tell you to go <laughs> look for it. This, um, actually, this is the exact same reason that I resent the living fuck out of live action, live action, Lion King, because, uh, like, never has such a wealth of just extraordinary animation technology been used to express so poorly, so little. And, like, that's that's the whole thing about Dinosaur Man. You put truly extraordinary effort and technology and money into... I, I can't remember their names. The most boring characters we've seen. More boring than a vintage Disney girl. More boring than fucking Wendy Darling. Just breathtakingly dull. On the other hand, by comparison... Chicken Little has conversion therapy. Yeah, I was gonna say Chicken Little. Um, like, I don't like Meet the Robinsons, I don't like Home on the Range, they're both very bad. Uh, Brother Bear commits the unforgivable sin of doing a second Phil Collins sings instead of giving the character songs musical. Um, Atlantis the Lost Empire is racist as fuck. Uh, there, there is a lot going on here that is not okay. Uh, but nothing made me as enraged as Chicken Little, which featured not just conversion therapy, but also walking fat joke and, you know, weird brain damage slavery. So, uh, I'm just, nothing is as bad as that. And also it was just horrid to watch from start to finish. I didn't like anyone. I did. Wait, no, we liked fish. We didn't like anything but fish. Everything we were supposed to like was awful and nothing was fun. So yeah, this season is a good midpoint if you were sick and tired of hearing us infuse about brilliantly done animation or hearing me wax lyrical about greater themes and depths of ideas like the inherent British monarchy of the Lion King. If instead you wanted to hear us get incandescently mad at a cartoon pig, this is the season for you. I did, uh... Ah, fuck thing was in my head to say where to go take your time ah, right i i did once describe the disney renaissance as, as the era of boring excellence and uh well this season was more interesting i have one more question for you that yeah. we usually tend to include in these overviews what surprised you the most for either better or worse out of this era uh positively surprised me I was shocked by how excellent Bolt is. Yeah, it's pretty good, hey? Like, like top to tail, I have a genuine affection right now in my heart for moments in Bolt. I, I feel like at some point I will send you a picture from Bolt to express an idea <laughs> and have you go, oh. <laughs> Dog movie, dog movie, dog movie. Yeah. Uh, as far as um, surprising me badly, Home on the Range wasn't a good movie. And I thought, this is as bad as it gets for Disney. And then the next two movies <laughs> got worse. Oh. That was a genuine surprise. <laughs> I, to be honest, I was going to say Home on the Range surprised me in a good way. Like, I, it, it's one of the only Disneys that I have not seen. Uh, in fact, this season includes two of those because I also hadn't seen Chicken Little yet. In my defense, that's because if you told me Chicken Little was in the Disney animated canon, I would have gone, what? But Disney didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Surely not. Surely they did not make this weird looking crap. That's nothing like a Disney movie. And then you'd show me the Meet the Robinsons poster and I'd be like, 
<laughs> okay. So this is like a parody DreamWorks thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> it's not real. It can't be real. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And uh look, I expected Home on the Range to be the worst fucking Disney thing I'd ever seen. I was dreading this. And uh, you know, it's bad. It's definitely bad. And by Christ, I hate Buck. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what about Buck, Fox? Don't forget about Buck. We could give out a prize in this season for the shittiest dude character uh, who is clearly uh, made out of fear of DreamWorks. And two of them are called Buck. And two of them are called Buck. Uh, but Home on the Range is not as bad as I expected. It's definitely bad. Home on the Range has Jeb. Yeah, I like that goat. And Jeb is flawless. Jeb did nothing wrong. Jeb, Jeb is the goat. Ah! And with that, I think we've given you enough priming on what to expect in this coming season. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, it roller coaster go up, roller coaster go down. You're in for an interesting ride, no matter what. Uh, but at least we're going to end it looking to the future. Oh, always moving forward. <laughs> The thing I love about this is that the first episode people are going to hear after this introduction is finished is the Fantasia 2001, which is audio chloroform. <laughs> Man, I thought we shuffled that one into the previous season. <laughs> That's how memorable that one is, folks.